Great, so if you want to open a Bible um, to Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read some verses from there, although Christy's going to take us through a few different passages of Scripture today, but Hebrews 12. And while you're finding that, um, Christy's going to speak to us today on something called Offended. Um, Christy's written a whole load of resources on lists over the past few months. In fact, the church that we were, we've been planted from, St. Michael Belfry in York, um, has been going through this with their student community recently, this new material. And we know, don't, there, don't we, that there's so much offence in the world. We get offended by politics or media, by friends, social media. Um, and so Christy's going to just dive into that for, um, for us today and just help us think through some of that stuff. Hebrews 12, um, I'm going to read a few verses, starting at verse 14. Pursue peace with everyone. And the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. See to it that no one becomes like Esau, an immoral and godless person who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent, even though he sought the blessing with tears." This is the word of the Lord. Christy, over to you. Hi, everybody. It's so great to be here and um, really uh, excited that I actually get to be here on a Sunday with you because I have, like Ben said, been on uh, this journey with you uh, from afar. And I've actually been in the country now for, um, I mean, it did sound like I did come up just to Newcastle. And that's so typical, Ben, that everything amazing happens in Newcastle. Um, and uh, uh, you know what I thank God for today when we took that moment? I thank God that I didn't freeze to death at the beach yesterday. That's what I thank God for. So it's a little bit of a, um, uh, what is it, uh, an illusion uh, when the sun is shining here. Because I'm in, I live in Southern California, so when the sun is shining, that means the sun is shining. And, um, but here it means, come on, come on outside, it's great, it's sunny, it's beautiful, and it is. Uh, but it's also uh, zero degrees. And so that's sort of the payoff. But I have noticed that I did, I have come to the UK for so many years now, I know that when the sun is out, everyone's out. Um, and you take advantage of it while you can, right? So it was very beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's very beautiful. Um, and I got to see parts of Newcastle that I haven't seen before. So um, I am going to share with us today. This is actually kind of a challenging, if I'm going to be honest. Like when the Lord started talking to me about doing a series of Bible studies uh, series on offended, I mean, it's not really something that you really want to dive into, if I want to be honest, because uh, one of the things that I have learned as a leader and as a teacher is that whatever I teach, I got to live through. And offended and offense is not something that you really want to like walk through all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, it's not so I knew when the Lord started talking to me about it that it was going to be very, very difficult, and it has been. And it's, it's difficult because culture is loud and it's difficult because it's getting louder and it's difficult because these are the warning words of Jesus to us and whatever's important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us. And so if you're visiting here today, I'm just going to tell you this, all right? Because one of the great things about the power of the church and the power of the gathering is that we get to come together 
And whatever it is that God wants to do in you today, let him do it. Just let him do it. Because if God is going to show you something about your life today, that means where he wants to take you is better, way better than where you are right now. So this is not a message of condemnation. This is actually a message of freedom. And it's a message of hope. And it is, uh, there, it is kind of impossible for me to actually uh, dive deep into the whole thing of offense. But I'm just briefly going to, as the word was read to us, um, some of the words of Jesus and some of the, um, the practical tools of kind of how we stay on top of offense. So at the end of the day, like offenses are going to come into your life. How many know people are people? People are going to offend you. And the truth is, even when I say the word offense, the first thing that's going to happen in your mind is the people that, who have offended you. But the truth is, you have offended other people. And when God is doing a work in us, and when God is healing us, it's not just as what's happened to us, it's also what we do to other people. It's part of our growth. It's part of the willingness of keeping our heart clean, that we recognize the things that come up. Proverbs 4 talks about that our heart is the wellspring of life, and everything that's in our heart eventually makes its way out of our life. So the condition of your heart is determined and it's spilled in every aspect of your life. So whatever you think about eventually makes its way into your heart and whatever's in your heart is gonna fall out of your mouth. And so this whole thing of offense of what's happening here in Hebrews, um, the Bible is talking about that we have to be so careful because this bitterness, this unforgiveness It all stems from that place of offense. So the writer in Hebrews, and I'm going to read this in the message because I think it just kind of gives a little bit more context of sort of practical kind of tools. And what does Jesus say about offense? What does he say about bitterness? Because I think it's important that we know what Jesus says. So let me read this in the message. It says, work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. So that's really a picture of offense. That's really a picture of unresolved offense and how it grows. So here's the thing about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness does not lie dormant within you. If it's undealt with, it will grow. And it will give birth to bitterness. And that's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. That unforgiveness will grow if it's not dealt with. And that unforgiveness will grow and it will grow into a bitter root. And not only does it affect you, but it affects the people around you. You know that saying, that it's, a, it's a saying that says, time heals all wounds. You know that saying? Are you with me? It's a lie. Time doesn't heal our wounds. Jesus heals wounds. But we have to acknowledge it. And the truth is, whatever you swallow will make you sick. It eventually comes up. That's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about here, is that we have to face where we have been, you know, sinned against, as well as how we've sinned against others. That's the picture here. It is a picture of community. And you guys have actually been in a series. And as a young church plant, you're talking about some really important and I think very vital topics. And so it's very important that you, 
that you stay on top of your heart, that you stay on top of when somebody else believes things different than you do, that you don't allow those offenses to grow because it will infect you and it will infect your community. That's the writer of Hebrews of what he's talking about here. He's talking about that if we're not on top of the offenses and on top of the bitterness, that it actually can grow and it not only hurts you, but it hurts the people around you. In Hebrews here, where it talks about that a bitter bitter root grows up, it means that the root will grow. It means that it will spring up. It means that it will spread all around you. So here's like your heart, right? The wellspring of your life. And when you hold on to unforgiveness, that thing will grow. And what it does is it gets into your root system because you have a root system. The Bible talks about uh, oftentimes that our body, that our spiritual, emotional, physical, it's like, it's like compared to a tree. And so we have a root system. And the, the health of our root system really determines the health of our life. And the writer of Hebrews, he's talking about if we allow bitterness to grow, that it springs up. It's where we get rot in our roots. And how many know somebody doesn't just wake up bitter? Somebody doesn't just wake up offended. You don't just get up and nobody's born offended. That is like a life. You, you stay with me here. It's a life of decisions where somebody has said something. Somebody has done something. Somebody hasn't said something. You know what I mean? Somebody has missed, uh, you know, some expectation that you have. And then all of a sudden that thing just begins to grow up inside of you. That's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. And he's talking about that if you allow that to grow within you, that that bitterness, it, it, it will grow and it will affect you. But it's when things on the inside, that's, this is a picture of bitterness. Bitterness is when things on the outside have contaminated the person on the inside. It's an inward, outward look at your life. Whatever you hold on to, it grows either for health and for wholeness or for bitterness or offense. Bitter root, actually, it says it causes trouble. It defiles many. Bitterness not only causes trouble, it it literally comes from the word where it means a disturbance in your life. So how many of you have ever had an offense come at you and you've held on to that thing and then you process that in the night where it just has you and you're just thinking about it over and over and over again. And you know what it's done? It's, it's stolen your peace because that bitter root inside of you is growing and it's defiling your life and it means a disturbance in your life. It means that when we do not forgive that we allow disturbance. And in fact, the word forgiveness literally means in the Greek, it means to hurl away. It means to free oneself. So when we forgive, we're literally giving ourselves the gift of freedom. And when we don't forgive, we empower a bitter root. We empower this thing to grow up, which disturbs our life. It disrupts your life. It steals your ability to focus. How many have ever tried to worship God when you are so angry and hurt and offended at what somebody said to you or what somebody did to you? It steals our worship. It steals our focus. A bitter person is an unable to live with other people because they are unable to live with themselves. 
How many ever, you know, have a friend who is known as being a very unforgiving, bitter person and everybody's like, yeah, I can't wait to get with them. They're so fun. (laughs) No, it's spilling out of their life. That infection, that infected root and the root cause of bitterness is always unforgiveness. I made a decision years ago that I wanted to be a person to be quick to forgive. Like I'm not going to give myself time to build a case because how many know if you give yourself enough time to build a case about what's been said or done against you, if you do that, then you'll spend more time building the case rather than just forgiving. And it becomes harder and harder to forgive. So years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually, if I'm going to uh, want to live as an empowered person, then I have to be really good at forgiving. And that means I can't give myself that time to build a case. We have to get really good. And forgiving and forgetting are two different things, by the way. But there's something about, and I've learned this throughout the years, especially in pastoring. I'm telling you, 30 years of ministry. The one thing that I have seen take people out left and right is unforgiveness. That it's taken them out of relationship. It's taken them out of the church. It's taken them out of their relationship with God. Because how many know we can live offended at God? And get bitter at God. Like, why God did you allow this to happen? I mean, that's humanness, isn't it? Like, we go through things and we're unsure why God is allowing things to happen. Look at what's happening in the Ukraine right now. Like, Lord, why is this going on? Why are you allowing this? Why are you not coming down? And But this is the part of what, this side of heaven. We're never fully going to understand everything. In fact... If we understood everything this side of heaven, we just brought God down to our level of understanding. There's an element of faith. There's an element of trust. There's an element of mystery. And here's the thing about living free is that it's actually a byproduct of the cross and what God has done for us. In John chapter 20, it talks about that the the first thing that Jesus did when he came back and he saw the disciples, and, and it talks about this in John 20, where it says he saw the disciples, he saw fear on them. And he said, peace to you. And then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And then he said, now go forgive. Because he had just you know, shown us the greatest act of forgiveness. And therefore, since what we have received, therefore we are to give that to other people. It's not about understanding. It's not about letting people off the hook. It's about keeping our heart clean. It's about not allowing our heart to be defiled. It's allow. It's not allowing our life to be disrupted. Because the thing is, most things that we hold on to that are not of God, they only cause more infection. I read this article a while ago about a man whose health was really good. He was really sturdy and strong and his heart, actually his blood pressure were good. Then his father died and he got into a prolonged legal dispute with his sister about his father's will and the case went to court and the sister won. And from that day on, the man could think of nothing more than that lawsuit and his sister. He talked about it. He thought about it. He filled himself with it and it became an obsession And each day he grew to hate his sister all the more. Then he began to have difficulty with his heart and his blood pressure. Next, his kidneys bothered him. And before too long, the complications killed him. That's the infection of bitterness. That's the infection of actually living offended. So I'm just going to give you three quick things of why we want to live as a forgiving person. One, 
is that the Bible talks about that by our choices, if we empower bitterness, that it doesn't just affect us, it affects everything around us. And the first thing is there are, there are three different things about why we actually need to be quick to forgive and not live in offense. One is that it talks about that as the, the child of God, we are carrying the spirit of God. And so Old Testament is that it would be the, the temple that the families would go and they would visit the temple and they would offer sacrifices and they would get forgiveness. That's Old Te- Testament. That's, that's Old uh, Covenant. New Covenant is because of the cross and what God has done for us, we now become the temple. We now become the place of visitation. Therefore, when you accept God into your life, you become the dwelling place for God's spirit. And when we hold on to unforgiveness and when we hold on to bitterness, what we're doing is we're contaminating the very container that God has called us to live with in power. And in Acts, it talks about that when we forget about this, we, we are actually costing not only ourselves, but the power that God has called us into. Because how many know inviting God into the sanctuary is secondary to inviting God into every aspect of our life. And so as New Testament, as carriers of the spirit of God, we become this place that God's spirit dwells. We're actually referred to as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And three things that we have to know in carrying this container that all lead to infection of unforgiveness and bitterness. And the first thing is that you, by your choices, can resist God's spirit. In Acts, Paul talks, and he's talking to believers, actually, all three things. Paul's talking to believers in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. So how many times has God come to you and said, you know that thing, you just gotta, you gotta forgive that person. You gotta let that go. That's what it looks like, that if we ignore that, if we just get hard, if we just build a case, we have the power by our choices to resist the spirit of God. And how many of you know, it is impossible to follow God without the spirit of God. And oftentimes we talk about the power of God's spirit and we neglect the conviction of God's spirit. And this all goes down to, and the apostle Paul is brilliant at this, that it all begins like from an offense or unforgiveness or bitterness that grows up and it defiles us and it defiles our, con- our container of where we're called to you know, carry the spirit of God. And just by resisting the Holy Spirit, we forfeit a power, a power that God has given to us in the gift, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And Paul mentions it again in Ephesians 4, and he's talking to the church, and he's talking to the church about this is how you walk in community. This is how you walk in the power of what God has given to you. And do you realize that he says in verse 27 of chapter 4, he says, do not give the devil a foothold. It literally means do not give, he's actually talking about anger. He says, in your anger, do not give the devil a foothold. And the word foothold here literally means to give the devil license. That that to be angry is not sin, but to sin in our anger, to hold on to unforgiveness, to hold on to offense, 
to hold on to bitterness, what we're doing is we're actually empowering the enemy. We're giving him license. We're saying, here you go. This container of what I carry, I, 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 re, I, I would actually rather hold on to what's where I've been wronged than to have more of God's spirit. And Paul's saying here, listen, do not give the devil a foothold. And how many know that in community, this is where all this gets worked out. This is where, like, I, I, it kind of amazes me sometimes when, when the church, you know, focuses on people outside of the church. And I'm like, no, like the enemy loves to hang out in the church. And he loves to cause, you know, like, you know, where hurts and offense and unforgiveness. And you know what it does, you guys? Is that it quenches and it grieves the spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about here, do not grieve God's spirit. Verse 31 uh, the, for the day that you were sealed from the day of redemption, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And he's talking about doing community. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give the devil a foothold in your community. Don't do it. Don't grieve the spirit of God. Do you know that to grieve God's spirit literally translated means to make one uneasy? It means to bring sorrow. That we can grieve. This is a very powerful thing to know that we can buy our choices to choose not to forgive, that we can actually bring sorrow to God. Like it breaks his heart when we're not willing to do the very thing that he's empowered us to do, which is to forgive. doesn't mean that it's easy. doesn't mean that you're going to feel it. It just means that you need God's presence and you can grieve God's spirit. And how many know, like God's promise to us is that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Right? That's God's promise to us. But when you grieve somebody, And you cause a sorrow to somebody. Like the Holy Spirit is a person. And when a person knows that they are not welcomed, that's the Spirit of God. Do you realize that the church operated for centuries without the power of God? I wonder like what was more important than that? What was more important that I needed to hold on to, they needed to hold on to something rather than the spirit of God that was left for them as a gift. The person of the spirit of God is a gift for you. And so by our choices, we can actually grieve God's spirit. The other uh, text that Paul is so brilliant at is in founded first Thess- Thessalonians five. And he talks about that by our choices, it's chapter five, if you want to turn there. If you have your Bible, if you have your phone, again, he's talking about community and he's talking about as the church, do you realize one of the most powerful gifts in the church is that when we encourage one another and he's talking about like, listen, don't, don't put out the spirit's fire. He says, don't quench the spirit of God. That word quench there literally means to stop the flow of. So three things that Paul talks about. God's spirit in our life and the person of the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit. We can hold on to stuff. We can actually grieve the spirit of God. We can actually, you know, cause sorrow to him and cause him to to be more distant than actually he would rather be. And we can quench God's spirit. We can actually stop the, the flow of God's power in our life. 
And the truth is everything that Paul is talking about and the writer of Hebrews is talking about, they all have to do with relationships. In other words, the, the amount I believe that God's power is released upon us as an individual and as a church and you guys as a church family is really determined by your willingness to not allow offense to get a foothold. To not allow unforgiveness to have any room in your heart. Even if you don't understand it. So this isn't about like letting people get away from with stuff. Because here's what I've learned. And this is, this is honestly something that I hold on to. At the end of the day, nobody gets away with anything. And how many know when we play God, we make a mess? What Paul's saying to us is, hey, listen. There's a power that God wants to give to us. And that's why in Hebrews, let me just read this to you again. Because here's the promise of what he's saying. He's saying, work at getting along with each other and with God. Work at it. How many know you got to work sometimes at relationship? You got to work sometimes at learning how to forgive. How many know like it's like sometimes it goes so against what we want to do. I mean, come on. Like when somebody does this wrong. Sometimes we got to work hard, like the best relationships are the one that you actually invest in the most. It's where you work at it, that you're committed to one another. The relationships in my life that I'm the closest with, we work at it. We work at getting along. They get on my nerves, but I'm committed to them. That's the community and the power of the church. That's what Paul's talking about here. The writer in, in Hebrews as well, work at getting along with each other and with God. How many of you know it's really hard to be right with God when you're wrong with man? It takes work to get along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. Again, the promise to us, the promise of God's spirit. I am totally convinced, you guys. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm totally convinced That one of the reasons why we do not see what we need to see in the church as a whole is because the church has not learned to let go of offense. There's so much relational conflict. There's so much judgment. There's so much, you know, and how many good, like sometimes in the church, we can really over-spiritualize things. We can actually over-spiritualize dysfunction. In fact, you know, like gossip, but say, I just need to pray for them. We over-spiritualize things. You know what I'm saying? And could it be that maybe we don't see what we want to see because at the root system, that there's unforgiveness. At the root system, there's offense. At the root system, there's things that are infecting and that it's causing things to be defiled and that it's disrupting the church and it takes the church off of its course and its mission. And so the writer in Hebrews work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Here's the thing, church. Like God has given us his power to help us in every aspect of our life. Like it takes God to know God. It takes God to follow God. It takes God to serve God, and it takes God to really love other people. Come on. Like it takes God. It takes God's power in us. And here's my challenge as well as my encouragement to you. Don't forfeit the power and the grace that God has for you as an individual, as well as as a church family, 
by holding on to things that only contaminate your community. Be quick to let things go. Be quick to deal with stuff. Be quick to be honest of where you've been hurt or you, where you've been rejected. And you know, I'm a big believer that you don't have to tell everybody that you know, you've had to forgive them. I never understood that throughout the years, like in leading a church. I never understood why people had to come tell me all the reasons on why they felt like they needed to forgive me. Like, we don't really need to do that. This is like a, an invitation. And I, here's the thing. Because most prisons are not behind bars. They're people that actually live under the weight of unforgiveness. And the weight of unresolved offenses. And they're wondering, like, why do I feel so helpless? Why do I feel so hopeless? Why do I just feel like everything that I'm living with, I have no peace? And you have to go back. And here's one of the things that I, that I do personally. Is that when I can feel like something has shifted in me, in my relationship with either the, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. But usually it's with the Holy Spirit. Is that I just stop and I ha- I'm just like, okay, where was it that I lost that peace? And I go back to that situation. I go back to that encounter. I go back to whatever it is that's in my life. And I'm like, okay, Lord, that place, will you forgive me? That place where I'm holding on to that, will you set me free? That place, Lord, will you help me forgive? Because how many of you know, again, it takes God to empower us to not only forgive others, but to forgive ourselves. And for some of you, like you need to let yourself off the hook. You need to forgive yourself. And the offenses that you hold towards yourself, that's not healthy either. The promise here, and, I, and my hope for you guys as a church, which is, I think, one of the most exciting things when a church is established, because it's basically where, it's almost like putting a stake in the ground and saying, you know what, every you know, place around this church where the enemy's just been able to do whatever it is that he's wanted to do, we're putting a stake in the ground. We're saying, we're going to take everything back that belongs to the Lord. And you don't think you're going to have a little bit of, you know, opposition to that? You got another thing coming. Like how many times have you like said yes to God and the first thing the enemy comes after you and he's like, you don't really want to do that. You don't really want to forgive that person. You don't really want to let that go. You don't really want to go to church. You don't really want to read your Bible. How many know like a lot of opposition that comes to you is because of the thing that God wants to do in you and through you. So if it's easy, it's usually not worth it. But the thing that's hard has the most potential to change you and to change the people around you. Isn't that a great promise of Paul's words to us? Don't let a bitter root grow up. Don't let it defile or disrupt your world. Be quick to forgive. And where you are having trouble, ask God's power to fill you, to empower you to forgive. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. I choose to forgive because I do not want my life to be an infection around the people around me. That's really, at the end of the day, I do not want to defile in any way God or the work of God by the things that I feel like I should be able to hold on to. How many can relate to that? It's a challenge, isn't it? Well, let me just say it's all of you. Just some of you just don't have the courage to raise your hand and that's okay because I forgive you because I'm quick to forgive. But let me just say this. I'm going to finish with this. If forgiveness is a challenge for you, you have to remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you.
And you have to keep going back to that reminder of not only what God has done for you, but also in that community of what you want to build here, what God has done for you and what you would like for God to do for the people around you and around this community. And at the end of the day, don't let the little things steal the presence and the power of God because that's what people need. Amen? That's what people need. People really don't need us. They need the power and the presence of God because that's what changes everything. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand?